Welcome to Eyes Open, a podcast about screens and scripture. My name is Chase Hairston. I'll be your host. And today on the show, introductions. My co-host and I will introduce ourselves. We will introduce the show and our general approach and structure we plan to use. We'll also be discussing season three, episode one of The Chosen, the first ever multi-season film project about Jesus and his disciples. In that season three premiere, we got to see Jesus deliver the Sermon on the Mount. We saw Andrew go visit his former rabbi, John the Baptist, in prison. And we got to see one new disciple added to the mix by the name Judas. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, and I don't know how you feel about spoilers, but I've got it on pretty good authority. That one gets messy later. All this and more on today's episode. But first, this is the day. Turn up the volume and rejoice. doing it we made a podcast how are you guys doing you good doing pretty good yeah yep good i'm glad to hear it i got a new haircut for the podcast um (laughs) dressed up you know uh in a in a bit of self-awareness i feel like me dressing up for an audio podcast is about the most on-brand thing that i could do (laughs) right i completely agree yeah okay good at least i know who i am in one way or perhaps another Um, Well, this is the Eyes Open podcast. Actually, we're calling it Eyes Open, a podcast about screens and scriptures. So I'll try to say it the correct way from now on. Um, Let's start with introductions. Let's jump in. Let's do name, uh, your origin story with The Chosen. Well, let's keep the let's keep it to biblical vocabulary. So your birth narrative with uh, with the chosen does that make it worse? I made it. Your birth narrative origin story. Uh, how did you how did you find out about the chosen? How did you start watching it? Um, if you remember the story there, uh, yeah. Tell us what we need to know to say we know you, and we'll go from there. Jacob, you want to start us off? Yeah. So uh, my name is Jacob Dooley. I'm 24. Um, the way I started watching The Chosen was a mutual friend of ours, Noah, who um, introduced me shortly after season one had completely come out. Um, so I've been watching The Chosen since before season two aired. Cool. Um, so it's been really fun to witness this whole thing go from a show no one knew about um, to a show that um, is really popular now and able to go into theaters and rival blockbuster movies. Yeah, it was like number three opening weekend. I yeah, think, right? Yeah, it was it was up there with like Black Adam and yeah. a couple awesome. other stuff. So yeah. And then season one, I think they just put on Netflix around the same yes. time. So yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's only... getting on more platforms now. It's becoming more popular. Yeah. Uh, so as someone who's been around since season one, it's been nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah. And so a little bit just about me. Um, Uh, I'm currently a uh, seminary student. I'm getting a master's of arts in Christian ministry. Um, So I know a little bit about the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, I also have um, a Bible degree from Mid-South Christian College. Um, And so I'm just really excited to talk about the show and um, 
I can bring a little bit of theater perspective. Um, yeah. I did some theater for several years. And so that's not always equal to shows and, and movies, but uh, give some active point of views a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exciting. Uh, that's good. Thanks. Anything else? Anything that we, we have to know to say we know you? Uh, hmm. Yeah. Uh, a pensive, a pensive man. <laughs> many thoughts. Many, many thoughts. Uh, I'm a huge movie show uh, lover. I, I watch a ton of Marvel movies, superhero movies. I'm just a big nerd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I can talk for hours on a lot of that. <laughs> So I'm really excited to be able to get a microphone yeah. And, yeah. and share with the world some of my thoughts and opinions about stuff. Yeah, no, that'll be good. Well, cool. Well, glad to have you here. Um, my name is Chase. I uh, also have some familiarity with Mid-South Christian College, uh, where I am a professor of biblical theology and spiritual formation. Um, I came here in 2015, so... But I came in the spring semester, so I'm somewhere between seven and eight years in. I don't teach the math class, so I don't yeah, don't ask me to think too hard about that. Um, yeah, I'm um, husband and father. We um, no, I wanted to say sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so I have the title professor here. If I, it seems just for the for the sake of honesty for any of our listeners, if I were at um, if we structured our professor titles like like uh, tenure track professors, I would be a lecturer. So that means I don't have a PhD yet. Um, I'm not published uh, yet. Both of those yets are hopeful, and we'll see what the Lord does. Sorts of uh, of yets, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. So been doing this for a little while now. Really love uh, teaching, and. I'm hoping that uh, my approach to teaching and the, the courses that I tend to teach will lend themselves well to discussions like this. So I teach you know, Bible courses, obviously, um, but I take a literary approach to scripture and I'm really a nerd uh, about books and reading and language and words and communication. And so uh, a lot of my teaching centers around sort of narrative, storytelling, and, and how that intersects with scripture. And so I am really excited to see the ways in which that will prove relevant to watching this show that we're watching together in season one of our show. Um, I think that's good. How did you? Thank you, my birth narrative. Yes, yeah. uh, I knew you wanted to know about the birth narrative. Um, <laughs> it's this, this is, uh, this is my introduction, introduction to The Chosen. Uh, I'd had a handful of students, Jacob being one of them, over the years, asking me, um, you know, if I'd seen it, what my thoughts are on it, and I'd always had to say, no, looks cool, heard great things, uh, just had never seen it before. And um, actually, right before you graduated, we went to lunch uh, with a couple other students, and you sort of gave me a lengthier explanation of, of what had happened uh, at or near the end of season two. And that was, you know, continued to make me like, yeah, this sounds really cool. I'd really like to check it out. And so, um, it, you know, my origin story with it is happening and unfolding live and in color, I suppose, right now. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, and season, no, episode one that I just watched was great. So 
thank you for catching me on that. All right, Aisha, tell us about yourself. Hello, my name is Aisha Gibson. Um, I am 25. I'm the student recruiter at Mid-South Christian College. I graduated from there, I believe it was three years ago, 2019. Feels right. Yeah, I think so. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have not seen all of The Chosen yet. Um, I just started watching yesterday. I'm <laughs> watching the episode. Um, I've been wanting to watch it, so whenever Chase asked me, like, hey, do you want to do this podcast, watch show? It's like, oh, since I have been wanting to do it, I guess it was just like, okay, it's meant to be. I need to watch show yeah. and then talk about it. Uh, so, so yeah, like Chase, my origin story is unfolding also. Yeah, <laughs> Did Tim watch it with you? Oh, yeah, he watched it with me. We both really enjoyed it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he liked it too. Yeah, cool. yeah, it's cool. We, we both been wanting to watch it. Like, people at his job have been t- telling him about it, and he's like, ooh, we should really watch this show. And I'm like, yeah, and we... Forget, you know, yeah. life. <laughs> that list of like 20 shows you want to watch. Yes, movies. Like, it's oh, Christmas time. so good. Oh, Christmas well, movies. <laughs> you got all the Hallmark movies. In. You okay. Do Hallmark Christmas? So I stopped doing Hallmark movies. Um, that's like another story. story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do more of like the traditional. Yeah. Like we watched Christmas Story last night. Okay. You mm-hmm. like that one? It was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I loved it. <laughs> good. Um, do you have a favorite Christmas movie, Jacob? Favorite Christmas movie? I don't know if I do. Probably, we were talking a little bit about this earlier. Probably the Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the I Tim think so Allen too. Santa Claus yeah, movies. Cool. I think that one was really big in my wife's childhood. I think that was like I saw it when I was younger, but it wasn't in like our yearly rotation. Yet. Mm-hmm. But it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I think about Christmas, I think of the Santa Claus and Home Alone. Like those mm-hmm. are my two uh, yeah. top two, and the Grinch top three. Do you like? So do you like the uh, the new Grinch? I don't know. You don't know? It's good. I know, but I love the Jim Carrey one. So I don't know. <laughs> the Jim Carrey one. I thought That's you were good like the original, but you like the Jim Carrey one. Okay. Yeah, I love that one. Cool. That's my favorite one. That's good. I like the new one a lot. Um, great. Okay, and so from time to time, you may hear a fourth voice jump in, and that would be the voice of our producer, Nick, who will introduce himself now. What's up, everybody? Yeah, I told Chase, you got to you gotta let people know who's the random person talking. That's not on camera <laughs> if you ever end up hearing that voice. So, yes, my name is Nick. I also work here at the school, helping to produce this uh, along with a few other people. And I'm real excited about it. Yeah. Thanks, man. We're glad to have you. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk about our show. Uh, it's Eyes Open. And with that title, well, for the past... I, probably about, f- I would guess about four or five years. One of the things that I've been learning more about, studying more about, and uh, I feel like the Lord's really been sort of like hitting me over and over with is, uh, has to do with things like attention and habits. I'm sure y'all both had more than one class with me where habits came up uh, quite a bit. And alongside of that, I've also been reading and listening more and more to poets and the ways that they sort of inhabit the world. And I usually feel incredibly inspired listening to them and just the way they see things. And uh, all of this has been happening either at the same time as, or perhaps I should say, as a result of a growing awareness, growing conviction about the fact that I just so often feel not present where I am. You know, my, my mind is on 
a to-do list or what I'm trying to accomplish now and needs to get done next or whatever it might be, daydreaming. And with that, I'm just coming to the awareness that like, I'm just, I'm missing stuff. Um, you know, when I hear these, these poets talk about how this poem came to be and they are you know, just looking at the world. I'm like, man, I never, I never sort of look around like that. Um, and you know, a lot of the literature about habits and attention talk about how much we don't see because we're so busy. We're in such a hurry. Uh, some of the scholars, researchers have, have come up with this term hurry sickness that we all in our society in our day seem to have. And, uh, so all that together has kind of, um, produced this idea, this, this phrase in my head has, has been happening over and over. Just like, I want to move through the world eyes open. I would like to, uh, you know, see the, the majesty, the beauty, even the mystery, uh, of mm -hmm. God that he put into the world he created. And so, you know, I would like to stop not seeing trees on my drive home. Yeah. I would like to notice the Lord put those trees there for lots of reasons, but probably the primary, the, the primary reason, um, you know, has to do with revealing himself, his glory, his majesty and beauty. And so, but even, you know, there's that with nature and then just with other people, like how often am I missing that if these people, if the two of you sitting at the table with me are made in the image of God, then that means like you can reveal aspects of the Lord to me. And mm -hmm. that's not going to happen if my mind is somewhere else and I'm, I'm interacting with y'all, not eyes open, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so that's the phrase that's, that's been sort of rolling around in my head for the past little while. And, um, I think that it, you know, it's kind of a, in, um, what's the word, not anticipation, um, aspiration. It's something I aspire to do better and to do more. And so I thought that it could be an interesting way to characterize the sorts of conversations I hope we can have on this show, um, which is obviously subtitled, uh, a podcast about screens and scripture. So for season one of our show, we're going to talk about the chosen. Uh, but, you know, here and there, there might be some off the beaten path episodes and as well as in future seasons, uh, they could look less like a rewatch and more like discussions about things like this attention and opening our eyes to the Lord's world. And particularly like, even when we are engaging with screens, whether it's our phones, Netflix, whatever it might be, that there's a way to do that eyes open, right? There's a way to do that and to see, um, beauty in the stories that are being told. And, uh, I would hope this is clear, but just in case it's not like I don't just mean when we're watching like Christian media, it's probably pretty obvious with the chosen. Mm -hmm. We're watching a story about Jesus and the things he did, but you know, we can see true things in stories uh, created by unbelievers mm -hmm. because they're also, whether they know it or not. Uh, well, Romans one says they do know it. They just suppress that truth, whether they acknowledge it or not, uh, that they are image bearers, that they are doing all they do, bearing the fingerprint of the Lord. Whether they know that or not, whether they're they're leaning into that or not, uh, they can't help but create art that at least sometimes says true things, demonstrates true things in beautiful ways, right? Which I think those are all things that we're called to lean into and live into as, as believers. So I would like uh, to move through the world as well as engage with screens, eyes open to what the Lord is saying through them.
Am I anywhere near making sense? Does that make mm -hmm. any sense? Yeah. For sure. Any thoughts? No? Yeah, I just, um, I mentioned that this reminds me of the, the class that we had of literature and worldview, where we just looked at what was being produced out in the world, books, shows, movies, uh, and just talked about how um, the truth of God is uh, revealed in a lot of that, even if the author or director realizes it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. That was fun. You had that class too. I think when you did it, did we use Mike Cosper's book? So I'm, it's, Mike Cosper has this book called uh, The Stories We Tell, Mm -hmm. And the subtitle of it has been in my mind as we're having this conversation. It says, um, the subtitle is, How TV and Movies Long For and Echo the mm -hmm. Truth. Yeah, we read that We one. did that one, right? Mm -hmm. um, I just, that phrase, right, that that's unbelievers uh, and believers alike can can craft stories that are longing for the, the truth of the true story, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that they are echoing um, aspects of uh, what, Another textbook I have used calls the true story of the whole world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think this should be similar to what we did there. I hope it will be. Yeah. Um, let's address a couple other things about the show real quick. What, what this show is not. Uh, as we engage with The Chosen, I suppose some people might think a, a Bible professor talking about The Chosen is just going to go through and talk about every part that was not in the Bible or every part that they got mm -hmm. wrong, quote unquote, or did differently. And, you know, there might be a place for that, uh, for somebody to do that sort of thing, but that's not what I want to do. I don't think that's what either of y'all uh, or anybody else we might bring around the table here. I don't think that's what we're interested in doing. So, you know, if there's ever humongous departures that are significant, we'll certainly address them. And I'm not saying we're going to shy away from critique if we feel it's necessary for one reason or another. But this is not meant to be like, a hit piece, right? Where we're just trying to tear down every part they got wrong, which is annoying when people talk about any other book that gets made into a movie, they're, right? They're like, oh, this in the book, they did that. And you're like, okay, we get it, man. Just Her hair was red. Yeah, okay, <laughs> great. Um, so, I, you know, we're not trying to point out every single difference and every single thing that they did differently. We understand, we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about adaptation at the end of today's episode, but we understand that this is an interpretation, a visual interpretation of the story presented to us in the Gospels. And so, as with any interpretation, we understand uh, there's room for interpretation. So that's <laughs> how it goes. Um, yeah, anything to add? Anything y'all are hoping it, it might be or will certainly not be? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. I um, just with that last bit that you talked about, um, the creator of the chosen has put out several times just this idea of the whole reason for the show is not to get every detail the exact way scripture has it. There are points where they're going to use to fill in the blanks yeah. culturally or whatever. Um, but the point is to have conversations about it, a conversation starter or something to guide you back to the gospel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's also, I think, what I would like to be a part of with this show is the idea that what we're doing is we're giving conversation, but ultimately go back to the Gospels to get the heart of what this show is about. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I agree. Yeah. So um, when we've been talking about the show, we've also had a few people asking why in the world 
we would do the perhaps not entirely intuitive thing of jumping into season three rather than jumping in with season one. Obviously, part of the setup is the, of the show is um, Bible professor who's never seen the show gets introduced to the show by a uh, mm -hmm. former student who is also a big fan of the show. And sure, jumping into season one, if you're into chronology, makes a lot of sense, I guess. Um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of times a good book, a good movie starts in the middle of the action. That's just what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, I, that's that's pretty good reason I think to jump into season three, but also we wanted to put something out uh, that's happening at the same time that the show is coming out, so that we can have sort of real time present tense conversations. Uh, but the plan is that we'll we'll go through season three as it comes out, and then we will go back to season one, and so we'll go through season one and season two, Lord willing, that's our plan. Um, but you know. The Gospels are not strictly chronological in every case. The Scripture is not always chronological, and so uh, I don't feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I think we stand, you know, in in good company. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so let's talk briefly before we jump in about uh, the segments of the show. We're going to talk. We're going to uh, approach each episode. We'll start sort of at the overall uh, impressions. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll start with overall impressions and, uh, we're going to call that segment canonical considerations, right? Because, uh, in biblical, so I've named each segment after some biblical studies concept because one can only contain so much of one's inner Bible nerd. So, uh, <laughs> canonical considerations, when, when you take a canonical approach to scripture, we're sort of starting at the broadest levels and, and looking at the different, uh, pieces of the canon of scripture. Um, and so we're looking at the broad and general. That's what I got, canonical mm -hmm. considerations. Okay. So then we're going to move into Lucan filmography. So the, the word Lucan uh, is Luke as an adjective, right? When you talk about Lucan acts, that's Lucan literature. When you talk about how Luke portrays Jesus in the gospel of Luke, we would talk, we'd call that Lucan Christology. So, um, there's Lucan Christology, Lucan eschatology, Lucan whatever elseology. And so uh, the reason I'm naming this after him is because in the opening of the Gospel of Luke, right, he's, he's writing to this character, uh, Theophilus, and he says, uh, I've set out to present an orderly sequence of the things that we have heard, right? So we're going to go scene by scene and in an orderly sequence do uh, Lucan filmography because... I don't think that's something that has been done with the Gospel of Luke. Now, I don't, I don't know that filmography is uh, up there with eschatology, Christology, but that's what we're going to do. Uh, so we'll go scene by scene, break it down, share our thoughts uh, about what happened and what we saw. From there, we're going to share our three favorite moments from the episode, plus one other, and we're going to call that, for what I'm sure are obvious reasons, the synoptic problem segment of the show. So <laughs> the umbilical studies, the synoptic problem uh, is the name of this, uh, this uh, reality that the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, share just a bunch of similarities. They share pretty mm -hmm. similar chronology and vocabulary. Uh, they, there's obviously plenty of differences in the way that Matthew tells a story from the way Luke does or Mark. Uh, but in a general sense, those three have a lot of similarities. And then the Gospel of John is, in many respects, just like kind of wildly different. Um, the, the 
order in which he tells the story is different. He has an entirely different uh, vocabulary. Um, he even seems to be looking at Jesus, not looking at Jesus through different eyes, but, but what is important to him, what he seems to remember most from the stories uh, seems the most different from the other three. So the synoptic problem is looking at the similarities between Matthew, Mark, and Luke and looking at the differences between those three and John. And just for the record, it was named the synoptic problem. I don't feel it is a problem. So if y'all don't, listeners don't, uh, that's fine. We're not actually, we at this table are not saying it's a problem. It's just the name of the concept. Okay. So we'll share our three favorite moments plus one other. Could be one other favorite moment. Could be one thing you didn't like at all. Could be one thing you thought was weird or funny or hilarious. Just three things plus one other synoptic problem. I'm sure that was the most obvious uh, segment obvi uh, that y'all expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so then we will move from there to our final segment. I'm calling it hermeneutical. Um, so this segment will either be uh, a general topic discussion, which is what today's will be, or it is going to be an interview with a scholar or storyteller whose work uh, will provide interesting insight to the show, uh, I believe. So hermeneutics is the study of the principles we use to interpret scripture. And so I'm thinking with these discussions we have on various topics, today's which will be uh, adapting, just the concept of adapting a written work to a visual work, mm -hmm. or interviews with scholars, both of those should provide us with principles that can help us to view and interpret this show and the idea of, of telling a story about first century, first century Israel um, in our century. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was that one a stretch hermeneutical? No. Good. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate your, your grace there. Yeah. All right. So that's our plan. Let's jump in. Uh, overall impressions, canonical considerations. What did y'all think of season three, episode one, uh, which was titled Homecoming? Who wants to jump in first? What'd you think? Um, so since it was my first episode yeah. that I watched, um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was talking to Nick beforehand, but I was telling him that I didn't really know what I was expecting, but it wasn't what I was ex expecting, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it was really good. Like it, um, I guess it's just very different. I don't know. I think we'll talk about it later, but you know, when you're reading the Bible, you kind of have like how you think people look and things, yeah. you know, just everything was just so different, but it was a good different. You yeah. Know? So I, I really enjoyed it seeing seen it played out on screen. Had you heard much going in like about like any, did you have general impressions of the show based on what people had told you? So like based on like what I um, thought the show was, I thought it was just like Jesus's life. So we're just following Jesus around, but it was more of like following the, the disciples around, yeah. which mm -hmm. makes sense because they're the chosen uh, yeah. along with, you know, Jesus, he chose his disciples. So yeah. it makes sense. You know, I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Uh -huh. Um, but I guess it just, I don't know. I just wasn't expecting. I was just expecting to see Jesus all the time. You know, mm -hmm. like, I just want to see what he's doing uh, in his off time. You think, you know, things like that. But you see more of like what the disciples are doing and how their lives are going. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what's your take? Yeah. So as uh, I've been waiting for this episode since the end of season two, and it picks up right where uh, season two leaves off. Mm -hmm. Um, season two builds to the Sermon on the Mount and then leaves us hanging <laughs> until they finish recording the next season. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I really enjoyed the episode. I'm really looking forward to what they're setting up uh, for this season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm going to try to hold back a lot of some of my comments because I watched episodes one and two in theaters when they mm -hmm. released. Uh, so I know what the next episode's yeah. about. So I'm going to try to make sure I don't say any of that <laughs> stuff yeah. here. Yeah, please don't. This yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what happens. Jesus survives all this, right? We don't, we don't know <laughs> where the story goes next. What happens to John the Baptist? <laughs> I'm going to love this Judas character. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that makes sense. So season one, oh gosh, episode one and two came out in theaters together yeah. as a movie. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of just like this uh, promotional material to just get people excited for season, for season three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so, but with what your comment was, Aisha, just like, this is really a show, while it does follow Jesus's life and his earthly ministry, mm -hmm. it's really a show about his disciples and how they responded to this weird, different style of teaching and authority mm -hmm. that Jesus used during his ministry and their response and how they, yeah. um, how we think they would have acted in mm -hmm. that. Um, and I really appreciated just sort of the, mm -hmm. the different aspect of that uh, for the show. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That was the first thing that I noticed whenever I was watching it, just after you see Matthew's like kind of backstory and then mm -hmm. the Sermon on the Mount and just seeing all of them kind of taking it in and like, wow, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I expect one of the things I'll have to stop myself from saying over and over is until I saw it, visually portrayed, I never thought about X, right? Mm -hmm. So oh, that will come up a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be a major, a major thing. Um, have either of you ever watched the, I'm going to sound like the old guy. Uh, have, I, have either of you ever watched the West Wing, this old show from a decade called the nineties? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was a show about uh, a president, uh, but it was really, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I, I noticed as well, based on what both of y'all are saying, there's so much more focus on the disciples. One thing about the West Wing was you would imagine a show about the West Wing of the White House would be about the president. And it certainly was, but it was way more about his senior staff, like his speechwriters, his director of communications, uh, his, uh, I forget the title, but the guy who gets everything done for him, um, press secretary and all that. And so it was really cool. It was, it was almost more about seeing the impact on their life of working in this incredibly important, high stakes job, you know, right on the other side of the door from this incredibly important person on the earth. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great show, by the way. Next time y'all are looking for something uh, else to try. And so I, I wonder, you know, I know what little I have looked into about Dallas Jenkins, the, the creator of The Chosen. I know he's this, you know, a big TV buff. Uh, I am willing to put money on him being uh, a fan of the West Wing because it just seems like there's some similarities. Uh, and I think that that's, it's an interesting sort of parallel in my mind. You know, obviously, one of the things that could be easy and perhaps is often easily missed when you read scripture is to think about the impact uh, on the lives of these disciples, mm -hmm. that what it, how it impacted them to be called, right? Because when you read through, um, one of the, one of the gospels portrays it as though Jesus walked up some, to some guys who were fishing and said, follow me. And they just dropped their nets and went, Yeah. which, <laughs> you know, in, in any, in any scenario where we're reading scripture and we don't have all the details, we're doing a little bit of, uh, sanctified imagination about reading between the lines. Um, but you know, many people think that it, 
that probably wasn't the first time he had talked with James and John there who were fishing with Zebedee. And they're just like, all right, never met you before. I'll drop these nets and let's go. Um, <laughs> but you do, you do wonder uh, what all, other than just like they left their jobs and started walking around mm -hmm. dusty Galilee with this guy. Other than that, like what the impact on their lives is, which actually I think, um, unless you'll have any other overall impressions, I think that segues us well into the first scene. Mm -hmm. What was your overall? I don't remember if you oh, actually said. Did you what want me your, to participate? I can participate. Your, <laughs> what your overall view was? Uh, no, I w I really liked it. Um, you know, I went into the show. Uh, actually, let me. I'll tell a brief story in just a second. Uh, I went into the show having not seen it, mm -hmm. um, but I went in based on what I had heard with a pretty good suspicion that I was going to enjoy it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think generally my approach to media like this like i i'm a pretty good audience member in that like i'm kind of rooting for whatever it is i'm watching to be good i'll forgive a lot because i want my watching experience to be good i want to sort of i'm sort of like predisposed to like it because i want to enjoy it so much mm -hmm. but coupling that just about my personality coupling that together with what i had heard about this show i, I knew there's a pretty good chance i was going to enjoy it and i did um you talked about the people looking different. I thought um, Simon just looked so different than I ever yeah, expected. Yeah, he's like yeah. buff. Yeah, I was like, What's the, up that? he's got the, the hunky, <laughs> swoopy hair, right? Yeah. Like, never Man. imagined it for him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had heard, of course, you, you always hear that uh, Mary was, you know, she was like a 14, 15 year old teenager. And I always remember hearing that in the context of like, our kids need to grow up sooner and take more responsibility, which is true. Uh, but <laughs> You know, I'd heard plenty of times about Mary that she was younger than we tend to picture. Mm -hmm. And I had more recently heard that's probably also true about the disciples. Um, mm -hmm. But I think this really sort of brought that, made that pretty clear um, that, well, portrayed them as much younger than the, the Peter in my mind. You know, <laughs> for some reason, he's got short curly hair. I don't know why. But uh, he certainly appeared older in my mind than, mm -hmm. than this mm -hmm. yeah, guy. Sure. Yeah, he was muscly and mm -hmm. it's that it's that hair that, that got him um <laughs> so yeah I, I definitely enjoyed it and i'm looking forward to exploring more about um how it portrays these stories mm -hmm. so yeah thanks um so transitioning to our next segment luke and filmography uh we'll we'll go through scene by scene the, the opening scene is this what was it six or seven years earlier um i think it said yeah ad 20? No. 27? A few years ago, before Jesus uh, called him to follow him, uh, we see Matthew with his uh, father and mother. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, this is a scene of him being disowned by his father mm -hmm. for being uh, what was viewed as a real traitor of a job for him being a tax collector. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. What would y'all think? Yeah, so um, that actually gets alluded to earlier in the show in previous seasons okay. where Matthew talks uh, to a couple other people basically saying um, that his dad had disowned him um, and had said that he had no son. Mm. Um, so to, when they opened season three with that, I was like, oh, we're actually going to actually seeing this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, it really shows um, some of the heartbreak that Matthew has 
uh, over this, where he really feels like it's the smart thing for him to do to become a tax collector. Yeah. Um, but everyone around him is like, well, it may be the financially smart thing to do, but it's the religiously dumb thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. Um, and it just, because the, the way the um, scene opens is uh, a Roman knocks on the door of his father's house and is like, you're behind on your taxes, you're going to jail. Um, because Matthew sent him there. Yeah, <laughs> and had, had we, those of us who hadn't seen uh, seasons one or two, had we seen the father before? So like, did you know that was Matthew's father? Um, yes, I think, yes, I think we did. Okay. I wanna say, we, I know we've seen his mother before because we've seen them interact. Yeah. Um, I wanna say we've seen the father before. Cool. Um, and so it, uh, when Matthew shows up and is like, yeah, I made a mistake, and the Roman's very confused. He's <laughs> like, you don't make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, a bunch of other people have told him that before as the other Romans he's interacted with know that he's a very um, particular note-taking, mm -hmm. um, on-point kind of guy. Yeah. Um, it's what made him very good at his tax collecting job. Um, he knew exactly how much everyone owed. So, um, but just him trying to almost play it off so he can... Uh, save face with his dad a little bit and then his dad being like don't come back here anymore yeah we're, we're gonna mourn uh, the yeah, loss yeah. we're gonna have a funeral uh. as you leave right now we're having a funeral now yeah mm -hmm. that's a gut punch man it hurt yeah it did hurt yeah what what do we think his motive what was matthew trying to accomplish by seeing sending the century in there i'm not sure that i came away with from that scene understanding because i mean it didn't seem like he wanted his dad to get in trouble more that he was setting up that he could have this conversation with his dad or something. So yeah. there's already been some rockiness prior to this, obviously. Yeah, so I think the way they've set up Matthew, uh, I don't know if y'all quite noticed, Matthew basically is considered being portrayed as on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so he's got some like... Uh, um, Asperger's. Yeah, some, yeah, some, some things that really enhance certain parts of him, like number counting and different things. Um, but one of the things is he's very particular on like rules and he's very OCD. Mm. Um, so for him to break a rule is like very weird for him. Um, and he's got somebody in his district that is behind on taxes. He has to report that. It just so happens oh, that this okay. is his dad mm. and he doesn't want his dad to get in trouble. So he tries to stay out of it, but ultimately he's got to go in there and bend the rule, bend the rules a little bit to try to keep his dad from jail. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, that one hurt. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like seeing that scene, um, just because since we've read the Bible, you know, we know that he's accepted, you know, by Jesus. So like seeing that, I was like, oh my gosh, he was rejected by his earthly father. But then he's oh, later yeah, on, yeah, you know, yeah. he's accepted uh, by his heavenly father and then his son, you know. So yeah, I just thought that was just to see that little piece of his backstory just, I just was alive to yeah. understand what it meant to him to be accepted by Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Because his father was certainly not the only uh, Israelite upset with him for his choice of vocation, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, it, it goes from there to seeing Matthew's reaction uh, as Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And it seemed to particularly focus on him, right? With mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. if you've got a, uh, dispute with your brother, go resolve that before you bring your offering. Uh, and he was obviously 
I mean, he was, he was tearing up, right? So it was mm -hmm. really um, mm -hmm. hitting him hard, one might say. And this was one of those spots where I don't think I'd ever thought before, because uh, it, it goes from there. It shows Andrew and some of the other disciples. Um, obviously, like <laughs> I would assume prior to this, they've portrayed Andrew as struggling with anxiety, right? And so some of the other faces they show that I'm not sure who they are yet, uh, I'm sure it's mm -hmm. relevant what Jesus is saying mm -hmm. off screen as it's zooming in on them. But, but that was really cool. I hadn't thought, I've studied the Sermon on the Mount some, but I've, it's been the content of the sermon, right? And yeah. to think about what were the apostles uh, or, you know, the larger group of disciples who were undoubtedly there, like mm -hmm. how was this hitting them? Yeah, for sure. And to sort of see that like immediate conviction on this yeah. point or that point was a cool thing to to consider that I, mm -hmm. that's certainly one thing I had not considered mm -hmm. before. Yeah, that was like the same thing that I, uh, like reaction I had. Cause I was thinking that we always try to apply scripture to us. Like, okay, how does this yeah. apply to us? Instead of thinking, well, how did it apply to his disciples right. mm -hmm. um, that were listening to him speak? Yeah. Uh, there was a lot, there's a lot of setup in season two for that, for those moments mm -hmm. where it's panning in on each of those disciples, mm -hmm. sort of showing their emotional reaction to some of the things Jesus is saying. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I think the show's been doing pretty well is showing just how the disciples responded mm -hmm. because of their personal lives and yeah. what was going on in their lives and in their heart that Jesus knew about. Mm -hmm. Um, as someone who's prepared sermons and um, teachings and stuff, when I'm when I know my audience, I know how to say certain things because I know someone is struggling mm -hmm. with this or with that. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe I don't, but I know some people need to hear something. Mm -hmm. um, and so, the show's sort of portraying that Jesus sort of knew some some issues that the disciples were going through and worked in some of these sayings um, as ways to hook them yeah. uh, emotionally, to get them on path. That's amazing. Yeah. It's Jesus cool to, is so cool. You know, Jesus is pretty cool. I agree. <laughs> um, that's, that's a good takeaway. <laughs> um, I thought it would just maybe as a, a side note, it, it was very interesting to me that, uh, you know, this is, uh, the most famous sermon that's ever been <laughs> preached. Um, if you look at the history of just biblical scholarship and interpretation, it is it is the piece of the New Testament that has been written about the most by far. Mm -hmm. um, and the most famous part of it is the opening with the Beatitudes. So it was mm -hmm. very interesting to me that they didn't portray Jesus saying anything about the Beatitudes, you know, delivering into the Beatitudes, uh -huh. which I'm, I'm not even saying like I had a problem with it. I'm just... That's one of those points, sort of thinking from the literary writerly side of things. Mm -hmm. I really wonder what, uh, why they made the decision not to say, you know, even because you get these snippets or whether you see Jesus or just hear him off screen saying mm -hmm. this famous part that you've heard, that famous part, don't worry about tomorrow, be anxious for nothing. And mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I tell you, if he takes your jacket, give him your coat. And, you know, it's probably not those modern terms, but uh, the tunic and cloak as well. Um, but you didn't even hear any of the Beatitudes. Yeah. So I just wonder yeah. uh, why. Why would be um, they show Jesus practicing his sermon with Matthew okay. away from everyone else in season two. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, it's one of the issues some people had with season two. Some actually. Um, oh. They're like, Jesus didn't need to practice his sermon. Why do they have him practicing yeah. with Matthew? Uh, but he actually pulls Matthew aside and says, hey, write this down. Um, which is sort of alluding to the fact that Matthew's the one who has the most in-depth Sermon on the Mount yeah. segment. Yeah. Right. Luke has a little bit of it, but like Matthew has this long yeah. three, four chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it actually does the same thing as we see the panning of the disciples mm-hmm. um, for the Sermon on the Mount. Each one's getting different parts. With each beatitude, it like cuts to another disciple oh, okay, cool. to be like he's thinking of that disciple for that beatitude. Um, but this is just in, like Jesus is like practicing. He's session. like practicing. Huh. Hmm. That's cool. Um, and so, I mean, um, see that. I really thought it was, you know, very interesting the way they did it. Um, but yeah, then of course you're like, are they going to do it again? Yeah. 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 So that's gotcha. why I think they, they cut it out because it's two episodes earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Well, I'll be interested to get to that one day <laughs> and uh, maybe, you know, start and end in the same place. That'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was one line. Was that Matthew's mom that came over to him and said, how's he doing? No, that is Mother Mary. Oh. Um, that is Jesus's mother. Um, well, that's pretty interesting. Um, she travels occasionally with the group throughout the seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, she will appear and yeah. go off somewhere else and then reappear. Um, See, since she wasn't in a stable with a halo, I didn't recognize her. That's, <laughs> that's the only, as a Protestant, that's the only way I ever see her portrayed. So I just didn't know. Uh, so that was, it's, that was something that I thought was very interesting because she's becoming almost a motherly figure to her she son's students. Hmm. Um, that's cool. And um, she's giving them a lot of advice and how to deal with Jesus. And, mm-hmm. hey, he's always kind of been a little weird. Uh, <laughs> But he's never wrong. Don't get in an <laughs> argument with him. <laughs> no, but she comes over to Matthew and she says, how's he doing? And I, I thought it was, it was cool. He, um, he said, he's like checking his notes, right? And he says, well, the words are the same. And then he's kind of struggling. And she says, but it's how he's saying them. Yeah. Right? And I thought, that's pretty cool. That's pretty, I mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, so that was a good line. And then it yeah, went to opening that. credits. We come out of the opening credits to more of the sermon being delivered. I just have one quick question. Yeah. What did y'all think of the opening credits, the song? It was cool. Um, I, ne- I need to, as a former musician, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I really care most about lyrics. I'm, like I said, I'm a nerd mm-hmm. about language and words. So I definitely want to go through the song and sort of look closer at the lyrics. But uh, mm-hmm. I just, having listened to it the one time through, yeah, I liked the yeah. kind of folksy vibe of it. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you want my honest opinion? Did you skip the opening? Did you skip I, it? I did not really listen to it because I was like talking to my husband. I was like, oh, you know, we were just remarking yeah. about what just happened. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's, I really like it, you know. So. Love that song, first off. Yeah. Uh, if you notice, uh, so um, there's a turning against the currents theme. Um, it's on a, it's on a lot of their like merch and stuff too. When you're watching it for, for episode two, um, notice how some, all the fish are going one direction, okay. but mm. some change color to teal and turn around mm. and they go against the I current. See. Yeah. Um, and it's m- representing people that are just going along the current right. mm-hmm. to people turning around 
and following Jesus. Very cool. mm, that's awesome. Um, so that's cool. I love that detail. I, uh, did either of you, I don't, there's some bad words in this show that I'm about to reference. So this is not a Bible professor wholeheartedly recommending it, but did, did either of you watch Ted Lasso? On mm. Apple TV or something? No. Oh, well, the, the opening credits there, there's a there's kind of a similar uh, visual portrayal of, of Ted Lasso, this, this character who is wildly positive and encouraging in, this, in a sea of people who are just really, really not that. Um, and so, like, he sits down in this football, soccer stadium, right? <laughs> and he sits down in the, in the blue chair, which turns red, and then this sort of, like, other chairs start turning red and kind of spreading out from him. It's kind of that, that a similar yeah. idea, but you know less about eternal salvation. So yeah. yours is better. I like that. That's <laughs> no, good. I'll, I'll definitely watch yeah. out for that next time. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Um, the next thing that I noticed, which was interesting after the opening credits, there's some more of the sermon being delivered. Um, and he gets to the model prayer. Uh, I thought it was super interesting that the apostles were mouthing along, right? I'm yeah. so glad you noticed that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so the two things I noticed about that were one, uh, there was this long, he said, pray in this way, our father in heaven. And then he pauses and then he said, hallowed be your name. And I was like, ah, he had to say hallowed. Nobody says hallowed, right? Like this is <laughs> totally passed out of English vocabulary and usage. And uh, it's one of those, it's an interesting thing from Bible translation perspective, because, you know, when new translations come out or existing ones get updated, it's one of the large motivations there is to use current language you know, how many times have you heard in a sermon where the pastor has to explain what hallowed even means because Halloween is literally like the only time in our <laughs> language we use it anymore. Uh, but it's, it's interesting because you would expect that word to get updated to something we say nowadays, but it's one of those that's too famous. You mm -hmm. like, you can't change our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Because it's like, everybody'd be like, what is this? This is, that's not what he said. That's not what Jesus said when he spoke this prayer in English. Um, so anyways, you know, I guess one of the things I've heard about this show is they're not always stuck in the traditional portrayal of X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And so I wondered if like, oh, are they going to, is he going to say something? And he went with hallowed, which I'm, I'm not knocking. I totally understand the motivation because same thing there. People would, you know, wonder mm -hmm. what's going on. Uh, but anyways, two things I noticed. He said hallowed uh, and the apostles mouthing along. That was cool. Yeah. So is that, has that, has it portrayed him teaching them the prayer before? I was trying to remember when I was rewatching this episode if, um, if he had, and I, I don't think he's, I don't remember a time when they talked about yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, I could just be forgetting. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember a time. But it, it seems to portray at least the idea that he has taught them this prayer before. Right. Yeah, I think, um, so if it hasn't shown him, I think it's a cool way to, to without saying, uh, dear viewer, this has happened before, right? Yeah. It's one of those cool things that shows there's story that's happened before we got here, mm -hmm. which is always, you know, um, nice to see done well because it's so often, you know, visually and in books, it's hard to do without being just like what they call info dump, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, uh, like the beginning of every Star Wars movie, you've got that long scrawl of words. It's like, that's actually really frowned upon because it's the most boring way to tell you that something happened before you got here. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is, I thought that was a really cool way. Um, and in, in a very sort of well executed way to show us, you know, he's been teaching them before this moment mm -hmm. uh, or before mm -hmm. the other moments that we've portrayed. Yeah. So yeah, that was cool. Um, so then, you know, we go from there just to lots of different people's reactions to what was said. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear two guys 
you overhear them saying something famously said in the Gospels, which is people remarking at, oh, he teaches as one with authority, which was mm-hmm. nice to see portrayed and um, mm-hmm. just cool. You know, you get that continuation of what we were saying about seeing the disciples' reaction. You see all these other people, uh, the crowds, right, just sort of yeah. visibly shook, one might say, uh, by the sermon. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then we have Judas Babyface Iscariot <laughs> going up. I mean, that guy looked... Uh, Simon looked younger and hunkier than I, than I expected, but Judas was like ruffle-haired, you know, yeah. just like, man, this guy... Yeah, I wasn't Looks like a good old boy. He does, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I'm like rooting for him already, yeah. and I'm like, I know what's going to happen. It's, it's interesting, <laughs> right? You... He's definitely being portrayed as a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, how it's that's going to be a really interesting journey to watch because yes. even from one episode, I see clearly their intention is to get me to like him. Yes, mm-hmm. um, which is done. You know, when that's done well in TV, it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And when it's done poorly, it is one of my least favorite things. When yeah. some, you know, I there was a another show that y'all. Are, gonna make me feel old about uh the very famous show lost um i've seen that one there's a character named sawyer who is just an absolute jerk and clearly his story was meant to be sort of the the redemption story you go from hating like they want you to hate him Mm -hmm. and then they they want you to like him and only because i just had to dig my heels in and be stuck in my ways i was just i like refused to find anything (laughs) redemptive or are good about this guy. I just, I didn't think it was that well done in that case, but they clearly are starting on, you know, it's the opposite of that, right? So Mm -hmm. they're making me like him. um, And I know that I will not continue to like him indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, he follows up and very excited about uh, what he's heard. um, And, you know, starts to sort of give Jesus his resume about why he should (laughs) let him follow along. Um, And then Jesus Thanks, Matthew, for his help, which I just noted because of what you said. This is I knew that that was something that previously some people had been concerned, if not bothered by, uh, the level of Matthew's involvement in preparing for the sermon. So mm-hmm. um, though I haven't seen all that, it, this was, uh, I assume that was a nod to that, so I made note. Oh, I, mean, I mentioned earlier that I wanted to tell a story. I, uh, <laughs> so I, I hadn't seen the show but in you know, I want to be I want to be an honest podcast host. Mm-hmm. I did watch a few minutes of the first episode, I don't a year or more ago, mm-hmm. um, and what I remembered from it was, uh, I wish I knew the actor's name because he's famous. But the the actor who plays Nicodemus, I remembered Nicodemus riding in a uh, is chariot the right word? I would probably uh, call it that coach. Uh-huh. The coach, yeah, he's riding in a thing pulled by some livestock, and. I remembered that, and I remembered Matthew hiding in uh, a cart under mm-hmm. some hay or something. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that I've literally described all that I remember seeing. <laughs> so yeah. I log in. I'm like, all right, I'm starting The Chosen. I'm at season three, episode one. I hit play, and it shows this scene of uh, young Mary Magdalene and then adult Mary Magdalene waking up, and she's got some blood on her, and somebody's screaming. And then it goes to Nicodemus writing in the thing, and I was like, oh, this is cool. They're starting season three with, you know, I'm getting like a, a flashback snippet <laughs> to the very opening scene of the whole show. It was about a few minutes later when I realized, no, I'm the dummy who's re-watching the pilot of season one. <laughs> I've selected the wrong episode. <laughs> I need to go change it. 
So I don't know what just jogged that memory for me. But that, that's how, that's my full introduction to the show is starting on the wrong, wrong episode. Um, so yeah, Judas gives his resume um, some interesting lines there. He says, I am accustomed to loss and I'm ready to do hard things. Mm -hmm. That was just interesting. Um, and then the larger group of disciples come up and they clap for him. Now, again, yeah. hadn't really thought about, you know, what did the, the debriefing with the disciples look like after yeah. the mm -hmm. sermon? That was cool. Yeah, I think when I first watched that, and even when I rewatched it a little bit, I was like, I don't know why I like shivered, not out of like, oh, this is cool, but more like, feels weird that they'd clap for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it I got to be honest. It feels, this feels weird. This feels like he just like made the most three pointers <laughs> ever. Like, yeah, this is a big old accomplishment, mm -hmm. uh, which I mean, in their minds, they just first time they've ever witnessed to like a thousand people listen to their teacher mm -hmm. um, who was an up and coming teacher when they all followed him. Um, so but it was. I liked the idea that they came up and clapped for him. I thought it went a little long. <laughs> yeah, that, I love that. Was that Barnabas? Uh, just showing that even in the literal days of Jesus, there was still someone complaining that the sermon was too long. <laughs> that, was, that was a great moment. I liked that a lot. Um, yeah, you said you, you felt weird about the clapping too? Yeah, I don't know why. I, I don't see... I see Americans clapping. I just felt like that was just a very American yeah. thing to do. I don't know yeah. what they do in the Middle East or where yeah. Jesus time. There's like poetry I, readings where they clap. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. they respond. No, I just felt like that's point. more of like an American thing to do is yeah. to clap. You know, I just yeah. Yeah. It's a good don't point. know if that's there, a universal thing. There is a critique with the show that sometimes people feel like it's very mega churchy feeling or more American-y feeling at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just like a little aspect here and there that, that happens with. Um, I just also loved the, I just when you look in the background of that, there's uh, Simon Peter just like clapping in the most ridiculous, like hands above his head. Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> like half-hearted clapping, but he's like the one making uh -huh. a show of it. That's funny. <laughs> it sounds, you know, like what you'd expect Peter to do. That's cool. Um... So it's, as part of Jesus sort of dismissing them, he prays the ironic blessing over them. You know, may the Lord's, uh, may his face shine upon you. Uh, that quote, I thought that was a nice touch. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Like, of course, Jesus would pray scripture. I, yeah. I really like that. A priestly that. prayer, in fact. Yeah. 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 That was cool. Um, so the next scene is we have this clearly not from the same part of town character, Joanna, come. Um and she's bringing news about John the Baptist. And she, so she approaches the ladies, um, Mary Magdalene, Rama, and Tamar, mm -hmm. I believe the, the, the name of the trio there, um, and says, hey, I'd, I'd like to talk to Jesus. And they're being, you know, like good bouncers at a club. Like, you can't, ju you can't just get <laughs> in just to see Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't even know you. <laughs> Very suspicious. Yeah. Um, well, but, you know, even that I thought was, was interesting, right? Because she's clearly from... A position of power and privilege, right? She so they would, perhaps even at this early stage of the ministry, uh, understand like Jesus is ruffling some feathers, mm -hmm. particularly mm -hmm. people that look like they're from um, some sort of Roman court or uh, Herod's court, right? That we mm -hmm. would be, we need to be particularly 
cautious around them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was reading my knowledge of the story into that, but <laughs> it was, I, I was yeah. interested to see the hesitation. Yeah. So the, um, there's some mistrust with wealthy from the poor community, right? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Wealthy people trying to, um, think they're better in yeah. some way. Um, right, and they don't want her to like buy her way into like good graces with Jesus since yeah. they had to work their way. Hmm. Not like work, but like they were like, They've been there this whole time. And she's yeah, yeah. trying to mm -hmm. sneak her way in. Um, That's interesting. I didn't think about that. There's also a small bit. I won't go into the whole thing. I'll let y'all watch a lot of it. But for some context, the Romans actually arrested Jesus for a small period of time in season two. Okay. Mm -hmm. Took him to like one of the like really local people that are over the Romans in that city um, to be like questioned and then released. So there may be some tension of like this wealthy person may turn us into the Romans or something. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. gotcha. That cool. makes sense. Um, uh, and then we've got this scene of Thomas nervous flirting with <laughs> Rama. I love yeah. that. I mean, this was just the cutest darn thing I've ever seen. The two of them so, <laughs> so nervous around each other. It's like, oh no, second bell or second... Uh, Second uh, meal. Meal? Second yeah. meal. No, kind yeah. of first meal. Like, it was just, it was just a nice touch, right? <laughs> to see, you know, again, like just this sort of like real life being lived. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will say though, like that and then Simon Peter later on with, I guess it was his wife. His wife. Yeah. 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 Those like, that was surprised me because I was, I don't know. I just wasn't expecting this right, to yeah. that at all. Yeah. I was like, wait. They had wives. <laughs> they liked people. <laughs> you just, I thought they were just following Jesus, you know, yeah, but of yeah. course they're, you know, living their lives yeah. uh, also while following Jesus, just like yeah. we do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, surprised me. I wasn't expecting romance. Yeah. <laughs> what am I watching? <laughs> but would you say like it uh, surprised you and unsettled you or are you like cool with it after you thought about it? I was cool with it after yeah. I thought about it for sure. Yeah. Uh, just because with the idea of they're just, we're following their lives. Like, right, yeah. I think whenever I think of the, the, the disciples, I think of them leaving everything to follow Jesus. Right. So I yeah. guess I just never thought about them having wives. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, I just thought that they were yeah. and alone. It's very interesting. Just following Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Because in scripture, the only one that we know had a wife mm -hmm. is Peter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus heals his mother-in-law. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to have a mother-in-law, you, you have to have a wife. Mm -hmm. It's the only way I got one. Yeah, so yeah, as far as I know, that's the, um, only, that's the only way. Same. Uh, so if you notice a lot with like, as of right now in the show, none of the rest of them are portrayed mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. having, that's why Jesus makes the joke of, hey, you know, your wife's after the rejoicing that you've been gone. Your wife yeah, has yeah. missed you now. Yeah, that was a nice little <laughs> yeah. friendly jab. She enjoyed you being gone for a minute. Um, yeah, so I mean, great, great, cute scene for sure. Uh, so the next scene uh, wi was Jairus, uh, who is the, I forget the exact title they gave him, but um, the dude in charge of this particular synagogue. Uh, yes, the new guy. Yeah, Jairus, uh, as, as the new, the new mm -hmm. attendant, synagogue attendant, I think is what they called him. Yeah. Um, and, and Rabbi Yusuf, who we did see, he was one of the faces mm -hmm. we saw reacting uh, to the sermon. Yeah. And so it's the next day, uh, right? Yusuf is uh, sort of furiously writing what we, he later describes as an account of this sermon that he heard preached. Um, I found this to be 
Super interesting. Yes. So he goes to he goes into this room looking to get more ink because he's run out of ink, right? And Jairus says, "Well, we're we're out of ink." Did y'all find Jairus to be very uh, vaguely threatening? He's a mole. <laughs> That's my. I'm putting that out there now. He's yeah, a mole. So? Yeah. When he's, I forget the the exact line that he said, but he he was saying. Um, he said something like, I'm a very good investigator, right, of, yeah. of things. So, yeah, that yeah. wasn't, I wasn't reading into it that y'all, yeah. pre- he, y'all he took de- that as a he, vague. Yeah, he definitely threat. seems that, uh, like he's been put there to make sure nothing too crazy happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rabbi Yusuf um, is one of the reoccurring Pharisees that we see uh, oh, throughout the show. Okay, cool. Um, so I like a lot of these moments where throughout the show they sort of show the the Pharisees' reaction mm-hmm. to Jesus, and some of the, and there's a lot of times we just think, oh, the big bad Pharisees who are the bad guys of Scripture, um, but the show's doing a really good job at showing that they're actually struggling uh, mm-hmm. to understand what they've been taught and what they're hearing Jesus say, and that some of them are kind of like. Nah, this Jesus guy's really cool <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. like saying some really awesome things. And then others are like, it's heresy, it's blasphemy, we need right. to kill him. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> we see some of that tension throughout. Um, so we're also following some like secret followers of Jesus. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure that I mean, given the um, face recognition of the, the actor they got to portray Nicodemus. Like, I, I know that's going to be a developing story, right? We, and I mean, we know from scripture, Nicodemus is a Pharisee who mm-hmm. gets in some sense swayed pretty, uh, pretty far into believing or at the very least being very uh, curious about Jesus. Yeah. Um, and there's some, uh, in the history of, of interpretation, there's some, some interesting speculation about, Nicodemus's later involvement after the conversation described in John mm. chapter three. So I'll be very interested to, to continue seeing where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I liked, you know, there's a nice little bit of foreshadowing when Yusuf asks Jairus if he has family and Jairus says he's got one daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we know Jesus, uh, we, we know the name Jairus because Jesus raises from the dead, mm-hmm. the daughter of Jairus. And so, you know, even to see, Again, like his, his vaguely threatening and therefore uh, opposition mm-hmm. to any sort of uh, anybody, rogue preacher. anybody getting uppity, right? Yeah. yeah, rogue preacher or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing like there's a really good chance he we're going to see a cool story of him getting, uh, yeah, cho- he'll, he'll be one of the little fish that starts swimming Jesus' <laughs> direction as well, right? After he heals his daughter. So um, that's cool to see seeds being laid for, for a later yeah. story. Um, all right. So then we got the scene you mentioned earlier, Asia, of uh, Simon and Eden uh, mm-hmm. wanting to greet each other in the privacy of their own home, which lasts all of four seconds uh, <laughs> before Nathan comes. Um, and so in addition to the to Barnabas uh, dis- complaining about the sermon, I think one of my other favorite lines of the show was in this scene. I uh, forget what Nathan said, but Simon, of all disciples, Simon literally says, try having a thought you don't say. Oh. It was like, <laughs> that is the most, the most ironic line yeah. I've seen so far. That That's just a hilarious thing. Some, somewhat shows the idea of 
what, especially in their culture, what you can and can't say in front of a woman. Yeah, right. Because uh, the joke that gets made right before that, Nathan says, oh, that was I, the one. I'm not oblivious. Um, yeah. I'll put a pillow right. over my ears. Yeah. And she's like, <gasps> and she's like <gasps> <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't have jokes like that. You can't suggest that we are married. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, yeah, and, and I think that was, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure this show I've heard, and I'm, I can expect more than the times that I've heard that this show has made someone on the internet angry. Um, so it, it was interesting to me, you know, just to see like, they're kissing and they're alone. Um, obviously, I didn't think like what will happen next, but <laughs> just to see like, yeah. oh, you know, like how far. Um, gosh, any way I can think to phrase this sounds like I'm asking a question I'm not. And so far as I mean, like, <laughs> how long will they let the two of them kiss with the clear implication that they are going to greet each other after yeah. time apart? Mm -hmm. um, but, and then to see him, you know, even just verbally acknowledge um, as a married couple, you do married couple things. Mm -hmm. and, and, but so it was, it was, uh, I think, I guess not that my opinion here matters, but it, it seemed to me like the right call to have her sort of be the one like this, like, Oh my gosh, you can't, you know, <laughs> to sort of have the big, uh, not sure if I should be offended or not reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sure. still, I think for me, the, the gold of that scene was Simon's response right then of, Try having a thought yeah. you don't say, knowing yeah. how many things knowing, he says and does knowing without thinking. Does. <laughs> um, all right, so then we get James and John uh, headed home. John is uh, excited about, I didn't write it down, his mom's cinnamon, you know, bread, something. First century equivalent of, of cinnamon bun, cinnamon roll, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or no, that was James, I'm sorry. Yeah. James was excited about that. Yeah. They see their father, Zebedee, who is. Super proud dad, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That was fun. Super supportive, proud dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thomas uh, joins them. James clearly feeling left out. There's, <laughs> he mentions a couple of things that he wasn't told. Um, and then, you know, Thomas hugs Zebedee like the third son or whatever. Yeah. So I haven't obviously seen how this, uh, these two brothers have been portrayed so far, but it, I, I'll be interested to see what comes of... of the feelings that James seems to be mm. having here. Um, especially knowing that John goes on to be the closest of the, of the close inner circle to Jesus. So I wonder if that'll be like a, is this a, a long story I'm seeing of James mm -hmm. feeling a little bit on the outside? Um, or will it be short because, you know, Peter, James and John are the three that are closest to Jesus. So will that sort of be the, the uh, redemption of his, his feelings that he's having now? I don't know. Hmm. Any thoughts on that scene? I um, I just love how casual Thomas is with like John. Yeah, and and James is very much like, what? <laughs> when did y'all start hanging out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there like in that scene where Thomas says something about, you know, I get anxious or I have questions or something? Yeah. In that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what he said but when he did it because, you know, he doubts that mm -hmm. Jesus was Oh, alive. I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah he's I'm the doubt. Yeah, there's some, there's some couple nods every now and then with Thomas that it's just like he believes in what he sees. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. And he is very critical and skeptical about things that he hasn't seen. Yeah. Um, which is very interesting because, like, early on in the first season with the um, wedding in Canaan, 
mm-hmm. uh, Cana, where Jesus turns water into wine. Um, Thomas is there, um, and he's very much doubting mm-hmm. that this is going to be like this is going to ruin everything because mm-hmm. there's no more wine, and you can't just take water to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just fun to see how they're portraying some of these mm-hmm. ultimate things that we know at the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. like characteristics we associate with each disciple, mm-hmm. they're and they're like earlier. laying seeds mm-hmm. to like how that would be portrayed. Yeah, yeah. And that really moment where that. he's like, you know, I've got some questions. I'm mm-hmm. skeptical about some things. Um, is one of those nods to that. That's cool. Yeah, that's I, awesome. I, I think I was writing a note or something. I, I did not catch that. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Because that sounds, I mean, that's a cool touch for sure. Um, all right. So from there, we go to the three ladies again, Mary Magdalene, Rama, and Tamar. Moving into Mary Magdalene's old home, and there's jokes about how tiny it is. Um, <laughs> and they also discuss their interaction with Joanna. And they mentioned that she had silver earrings, right? And so they're, like you were saying, mm-hmm. there's, there's clear unease about uh, perhaps, I, I, I was mostly thinking about her unease related to the position she seems to hold. But I do think you're right that there's some sort of economic imbalance that's, that they're really uh, aware of as well. Um, and then interspersed into that scene, we also have Matthew outside of Mary's home, sort of not sure where to go or what to do. Um, and that was a, you know, a touching moment. The, the ladies sort of just encourage him like, you're, you're doing great. And uh, I forget exactly what the lines are, but it was it was nice to see mm-hmm. them supporting mm-hmm. a friend and, and even sort of like to the extent that they've gotten to know him so far, knowing what kind of encouragement he might need mm-hmm. or knowing uh, mm-hmm. sort of how to help him out as he's he's clearly a little um, distressed. Mm-hmm. He has nowhere to go. Yeah. Right. Which which readdresses like, I, well, no, I can't just go to my dad's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, not mm-hmm. exactly welcome there. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. It was touching. Um, so I'll let, since y'all haven't seen this, y'all don't know this, uh, f- the f- fans have shipped, uh, Mary and <laughs> Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a couple of interactions that they've had where it seems like Matthew is very much having a crush on Mary Magdalene. Hmm. Um, and at the end of that interaction, when they go inside, the other ladies are laughing and Mary's like, he's a good man. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, and it's sort of just like. A bunch of fans are like, are, they, are the writers of this show going to make them, going to make them it's a couple? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that would yeah. upset some folks for sure. Uh, interesting. So there's just some some fan theories there for you, uh-huh. yeah, um, to be on the lookout for. Yeah. yeah. Next, we've got uh, John the Baptist in prison, being visited by Andrew. I forgot to mention earlier, uh, as a result of the Joanna conversation, uh-huh. uh, Andrew gets to go with her to see John. Um, and of course, we know from scripture that he was a follower of John the Baptist until Jesus called him to follow mm-hmm. him. Um, and so he's obviously been very distressed and is very eager to go see John. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this was a great scene. Um, it was. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What'd y'all think? Um, it was great. Um, me being a girl, I cried <laughs> whenever um, when John the Baptist uh, when he said, well, what was the one thing that he said? You know, there had to be one thing that he said that stuck out to you. And he was like, you know, repeating, don't be anxious and uh, seek first his kingdom. I don't know why I was just like crying just because, you know, it's very relevant, you know, for yeah. um, mm-hmm. my life. Because uh, I know I can be anxious and get so worried about everything. Um, 
these days. And I don't know why I just touched my heart so much to hear, you know, just that that stuck out to him and that that like mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. resonated with him. Um, and then I did like before, whenever uh, he asked Joanna, he's like, well, what'd you think of him? And then he said, uh, it's like, you're grateful for food and you hadn't realized you had been starving. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, good. that line that's was good so line. good. I was, yeah. It's like, yes, that's exactly what Jesus is like something you like, you know, you needed it, but you didn't really know you needed it until uh-huh. you got it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it was good. Yeah. So like those two things I love so much about that scene. Yeah. I liked that a lot too. Uh, I wondered, um, you know, John expresses contentment with his scenario and um, I, I didn't get the exact line, but he, he seems uh, pretty confident that Jesus is going to rescue him. So yeah. what did y'all think? Do you, did you take him to just sort of mean in the spiritual sense, right? Like I'm, it's okay. Jesus is King and I'll be fine even if mm-hmm. I die in prison. Or did y'all think he meant more sort of in the physical sense, like Jesus is actually going to rescue me from prison? I mean, I thought I physical. Yeah. Just because I think um, in the scripture that even though John the Baptist knew who Jesus was, what he was, you know, proclaiming the way, I think still some people had just a miss like understanding of what Jesus was gonna do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so like, I think Judas says something at the end that made me understand like, oh, okay, that makes sense. He didn't really have a, a full understanding of who Jesus was mm-hmm. going to be um, mm. in like the right sense. Yeah. Um, so I think, I really think he meant physical yeah. just because I think he just believed that Jesus was going to go bust in, mm-hmm. you know, prison doors and things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought this was a really great setup because we know per scripture that at some point John sends disciples to specifically ask Jesus, mm-hmm. are you actually mm-hmm. the one? Yeah. Mm. Um, and this seems, if if he is thinking physical, mm-hmm. um, if he's really thinking, and it seems, you know, even Judas is hinted at in this episode as thinking, you know, Jesus is going to need a, a treasurer because he's going to have an army and yes. he's going to need somebody to pay his army. Yeah. Because um, we're going to, we're going to take out Rome. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so John may, be really excited about that and that idea um, and then just get, we'll see him get discouraged and uh-huh. send some people later. Yeah. Um, but also I think um, John's been v- portrayed as being very spiritual to a radical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the early, in early seasons, some of the disciples, including s- mostly Simon, Peter, uh, refer to John as Crazy John. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's just the crazy guy from the from the river who eats weird and yeah. dresses just weird. Weird. Um, weird in here. So <laughs> some of it, I th- I think both. Yeah. To okay. some degree spiritual. Uh-huh. Uh, but I can definitely see where he's also very excited for Jesus to either go to Herod and set things straight and change Herod's mind yeah. and let him out or for him to actually overthrow Rome. Yeah. 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 I, I, um, got the sense it was physical as well. Mm-hmm. I asked because I didn't know if I was reading that into it. Cause that's the story I want them to be telling. Cause yeah. I, I think it's a more compelling story. Um, just, you know, not, not saying more compelling than scripture. Cause you know, again, this is one of those aspects of scripture. We're not, we're not entirely sure. Uh, but, uh, 
what you brought up, I think, is is part of the good reason we have to suspect that that John was wondering, you know, any day now, Jesus, yeah. remember me, cousin, best friend, like you can come get me. We both know it's wrong that I'm in here and all that. Um, yeah. So I I'm I'm hoping that he he is sort of holding to this. Jesus is physically going to come get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just because I think that'll be a much more compelling story to see. Um, play out. Play out. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. So just a couple uh, scenes left. One uh, pretty interesting one was Judas packing up. Mm-hmm. He's really um, can't get his mind off of this mint plant that he's got. Yeah. I'm interested to see what's going on there. Uh, he takes that and the deed to the house he's living in, which he inherited from their dead father to his sister, gives her both. And they have a, a conversation about, yeah, what he's doing. And she thinks it's crazy. And he does say he's going to raise up this army. Um, and he believes he's the Messiah. I think, right, he says, I'm almost sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but there was, of course, the very interesting line. She says, uh, "You know, where did I write it down? Uh, it's never not about money with you, she yeah. says to Judas. We're just like, yeah, we know, we know what she means. <laughs> she ain't wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, any thoughts on this scene? Mm, I don't know. I just think, kind of to what I said earlier, just I think we can see why he would stray because Jesus didn't really do the things he thought Jesus yeah. was going to do, like have this army, you know, like rescue mm-hmm. him, all those types of things. So I think like his... Like he followed Jesus with a um, slight misunderstanding of who Jesus actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think because Jesus didn't live up to his expectations, like, okay, well, I can betray this man because, uh, yeah. you know, he didn't do what I thought he was going to do. And um, I'm gonna, yeah, maybe maybe they'll, they'll show the, maybe they'll, the, their portrayal of the betrayal uh, <laughs> will be motivated by, well, I'll get done. Yeah. This will be the way to... Accomplish yeah. That. I don't yeah know. like maybe yeah, I yeah. did something wrong I believe the wrong you know I don't know yeah. what they'll do but yeah. um, I've always felt bad for Judas like in scripture like I don't know I always feel bad for people who do bad things I feel bad yeah. for sinners because I'm a sinner <laughs> I'm like well we make like, him out to be a really bad guy yeah. but in, like reality is like how bad what I mean he hung yeah. out with these people for three years and when Jesus hinted at the idea of someone who was betraying uh-huh. no one said must be the shady guy, Judas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we're pretty sure who it is. <laughs> we, we know who it is. <laughs> no, but yeah, I just think to me in that scene, what I took from that was just his, yeah. just his misunderstanding of who Jesus was. Yeah, yeah. Just not him really understanding fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. I, um, one of the things that I, I'm pointing this out because I find it to be a hilarious thing for people to argue about on the internet. <laughs> um, Tell us. If you caught the line, his sister says, "You it, with you, the line of Iscariot lives or dies or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. They're basically, and if you notice when Judas introduces himself to Jesus, he does uh, yeah. not say, I am Judas from Iscariot. Uh-huh. He says, I'm from somewhere else. Um, they're almost portraying Iscariot as a last name, like a surname. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are like, that's not his last name. That's where he's from. That's the city he's from. He's Judas from this place. Um, But they seem to be making it out to be like a family name. Hmm. Um, So there was just, I just think that's like the funniest thing. Like if if that's what you're making fun of the show for, (laughs) you've run out of things to nitpick. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's an interesting point. Well, you know, I, 
I don't, I mean, I guess it's too much of a discussion to yeah. talk about how people are just so eager to be angry uh, on the internet. Uh, but yes, one, one has to wonder. Um, okay, so final two scenes before the little epilogue uh, miniature scene. We've got, we return to Rabbi Yusuf and he's putting his, what? There's a mini scene. <laughs> I, maybe one would call it a scene if they were more normal than I. Uh, we see Yusuf put, uh, he, he's finished writing his account, or at least this section of it. He's going to put it in the uh, secret cellar of, that Jairus mentioned earlier. And we see that it is addressed to Nicodemus. I thought that mm-hmm. was very interesting. Um, then we have Andrew returning from his visit with John the Baptist, uh, clearly really beat up over some things that he said, I presume in season two, yes. to Mary Magdalene and, uh, you know, very emotionally apologizing to her. Says mm-hmm. you didn't deserve that. Um, oh, man, she says no one's ever apologized to me yes. before. And he says you, don't des- you didn't deserve that either. <laughs> yeah. Golly. I was crying. Yeah. That was- <laughs> and when you know her, like some of the backstory we know about yeah. her, it's just to hear her say that mm-hmm. is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I-, I appreciated that. You know, just to mm-hmm. portray, um, you know, even just a tiny moment of, of the story. Um, we are pretty sure, based on some historical study that she had. But even, you know, even apart from what we know or don't know for sure from history and scripture together, to see the Chosen's Mary Magdalene apologize to and to say that, uh, and mm-hmm. then the Chosen's Andrew to say you didn't deserve that either. It was, yeah, that was a gut punch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was just cool to see them just apply the scripture, you know, like they're not like reading, not the scripture, but what Jesus said, uh, cause they're not like reading it over and over, but you could tell her like, he's constantly thinking yeah. about it, you know, yeah. like meditating on it, on yeah. what Jesus said. And he's right. like, okay, I'm going to go do something about this. Cause he said it mm-hmm. too. And I think that should be our reaction yeah. to scripture, but it's not as immediate because you know, like yeah. we're not meditating on it because we didn't mm-hmm. really, you know, Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I just thought that point. was really cool. You yeah. can definitely see throughout this episode that the disciples are really, really chewing over mm-hmm. like what Jesus said in this sermon. Like it's affecting yeah. them, and some more than others, mm-hmm. and some very physically. Um, mm-hmm. Like you can see the tor- the like tortured soul that is Andrew at this moment. Oh yeah, of just like everything he's wrestling with in his mind yeah. right now, and some of that is. Um, we know of a little bit more from season two. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, then we close on uh, Matthew outside of his dad's house. Uh, yeah. Alpheus comes out and sees him and calls him son. And that was mm-hmm. exactly what we really hoped we would see. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we got it. I that thought was nice. it was, it was nice. It was a good, mm-hmm. you know, I love a good story that ends where it started. Yes. Uh, structure. Mm-hmm. And this was a good, um, and on a, a good happy way. note. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that's important to you, Asia. You know it is. <laughs> Asia is not about the uh, ambiguous or unhappy endings. Not a I fan. don't like it. Yeah. Kind of French. I'm looking at you. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> just in Broken Harbor. Well, okay. That's probably not true. But that was the one you were the most mad about. Yes. <laughs> if you ever suggest Tana French has ever done anything wrong again, <laughs> I will turn this car around. <laughs> She's done so many things that's right, though. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, what was it? Faithful Place? The best. Don't look. If you want to start a Tana French okay. fan girl podcast, I am there. <laughs> um, no, immediately. No, he's in with us, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. 
Okay. This this podcast cannot be four hours long. Therefore, I cannot talk about Tana French any longer, except to say that she's the greatest ever. All right. So that is um, Luke and filmography. Great job. You all, we did a great job. Let's pass us in the back. Um, okay. All right. So let's transition to the synoptic problem segment of our show. Three Your three favorite moments plus one other from season three, episode one, Homecoming. Aisha, what's your number three? Um, number three, so many. Okay, number three had to be uh, towards the end, whenever after Simon apologized, right? It was Simon who apologized. I think it was Andrew. Andrew, 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 Andrew. apologized. Sorry. Yeah. They both look buff and curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after he apologized, he um, and they were talking. He said things are things are better now. Oh, and that was like, good. yeah. And even though like they aren't like in the ideal, like live in situation and, um, you know, Mary Magdalene has two other people and mm -hmm. you can tell she's just not very wealthy. Um, it was just cool to see that even like the, though physically everything then look like it was better. It was better because of, because of Jesus. And I think that's how, um, Jesus is, should be in our lives, you mm -hmm. know, like, you know, Everything's not, you know, Problems good don't all go the time. Away. Hard yeah. things yeah. don't stop happening. Yeah, yeah. but um, things are better whenever we follow Jesus. It's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. I like that. It's good. Uh, Jacob, number three. Probably uh, my my number three favorite spot would probably go to the awkward flirting of <laughs> um, Thomas and um, uh, she Rayma. Rayma. Yeah. Um, I just, when I was rewatching the episode, I was just like, oh, yeah, they put an awkward romance drama in this. <laughs> yeah. No, that was good. It was just so cute. Right. Just, it was just the best. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, good. Uh, my number three was I just appreciate the portrayal of uh, mental health stuff as a real thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So obviously with Andrew, we've got clear wrestling with anxiety that they, you know, that wasn't even just like implied. I mean, it was very clearly portrayed and stated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Matthew experiencing uh, the distress that he goes through for a couple different reasons at a couple different scenes, uh, a couple different moments in this episode, uh, just to see, you know, in the there's many ways in which these characters are being uh, colored in the lines, uh, portrayed as sort of, you know, the gritty real life stuff. Um, and so I thought that acknowledging that mental health issues are a real thing and that perhaps even way back then before we had all the terminology we had that we have now uh that you know characters in that day could have been wrestling with some similar things uh, mm -hmm. i appreciated that and thought it was interesting to see mm -hmm. all right aisha number two um i think this second thing that i liked um was when jesus was talking to judas and he asked um, are you ready to do hard things? Yeah. Sorry, mm. to do this. Yeah. And I think that's more of, um, I like that. I appreciate that because that's more of, I feel like what Jesus would say other than mm. what I think people, um, we have this idea that when we follow Jesus, everything is going to get better magically. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it, I just love how they portrayed Jesus asking, are you ready to do hard things? I think that's more of something he would say to his disciples because he knows that it would, he mm -hmm. knew it wasn't going to be easy for them, you know, yeah. so, um, especially what his, like in the Bible, him talking about, like, you consider the cost of what you're doing. Um, 
what it takes to follow me. So um, I just appreciate that line. Um, yeah. Are you ready to do hard things? I think that's how sh we should go about ministry, even though, I mean, it's not nice. It's not fluffy. It's not cute. Um, but it's it's reality of what it is to follow Christ. It's like, yeah. are you ready to do hard things? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I liked the sort of plainness of, of the line. Like, yeah. he didn't, it, it's not like Let's say a, fancif <laughs> a fanciful version of asking the same question. Just very yeah. plain. Are you mm -hmm. ready to do hard things? I, I agree. Yeah. That was cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love, I appreciate that. Yeah. Jacob, number two. Yeah. So, um, Probably um, just the interaction ja uh, James and John have with their dad, um, just mm -hmm. like the proud father moment that he has. Yeah. Um, just seeing some of the support that the disciples had from home. Uh, we, uh, mm -hmm. we, we forget they left their dad. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, hey, dad, we're leaving. Bye. Yeah. You have the family business. We're not going to help you anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so and it's just like he's not bitter about that. Yeah. Instead, he's he's praising mm -hmm. God that, uh, and I like the the uh, when he greets them, he, he goes, you know, uh, three followers of Jesus of Nazareth, yeah, um, uh, triple blessing from mm -hmm. from God or something like That's that. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I agree. That was a good one. Good number two. I like that. Uh, my number two favorite moment from this episode was that line from Simon. Uh, try having a thought you don't say. Just, <laughs> I just loved it. Mm -hmm. I don't have much more to say except I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, Aisha, drum roll number one. Um, it has to be one that I was talking about earlier when um, Simon was talking to Joanna and said, I mean, John the Baptist was talking to Joanna and said, oh, yeah. and explained Jesus uh, as um, you're grateful for food and you hadn't realized that you'd been starving. Yeah. I just, that's, That's such a good line. Yes. It's it's very good. I yeah. agree. It's just like, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, mine's probably also during that that time when Andrew's talking with John. Mm -hmm. um, and he's just like, what did you get out of this? Like, yeah. out of all the words he said, there was something for you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a small reminder that scripture says a lot of things and there is something for everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's not just for everyone else and not yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that's that. good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, my number one, we're already number one. Uh, <laughs> my number one is I'm just so intrigued and interested to see what happens next with this um, story between Jairus and Yusuf. Mm. Uh, I love, I, I just love sort of, um, I've always liked detective stories thrillers, like just intrigue, that sort of thing. And just this whole gyrus kind of passive aggressively suggesting there's a little bit of a threat. You know, I'm here because I'm, I investigate things well. And Yusuf, you know, is he threatening? And then he just goes all in on like, no, he wants to hide my note for me and, <laughs> and all that. Like, I'm, I'm eager mm -hmm. to see uh, what comes of this knowing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems pretty clear they're going to use it to set up more of uh, growing antagonism and opposition to Christ. So I think that's my number one. They've got me very intrigued by these two characters and, and the story that they're yeah. setting up there. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's three favorite moments plus one other can be one other anything. So what's your and one other? What's your plus one other, Aisha? Uh, okay. It's kind of weird, but um, did the, I guess it's more of a, one other question. Okay. Did they use phrases like good luck? 
<laughs> Back then, I was like, yeah, so somebody that's... says like good luck. I can't remember who said it. And I was like, did they use that terminology? Are we just trying yeah. to make this too modern? Yeah. Before Jesus goes out, they're like, hey man, break a leg. You got this. <laughs> yeah. You got it, man. Um, no, that's a good, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know all of the Hebrew idioms, um, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> the Greek or Aramaic idioms that they might've been, uh, writing or saying to one another. But I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure good luck is probably not one of them. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, certainly not the English good, good luck, mm -hmm. right? But uh, yeah, that's a good question. You wonder, mm -hmm. that's yeah. the second thing you've noted that's felt a little too modern or yeah. a little too American, right? Like, I understand it. Okay, so when I watch a movie, I want to be like plunged into uh -huh. the culture, to everything, you yeah. know? Like, I don't, I don't want, like, I know what a, being in America in this day and age feels like. You know, I want to like be transported mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. in time That's whenever good. I'm watching something. Um, like after going to Hawaii, like watching Moana, like Moana is like, like so accurate yeah. to the culture um, of people back then. So when I watch it, I'm transported back yeah. to my time there. Um, Did so, you, sorry, you dressed up like Moana at some point on your Hawaii trip, right? We'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I just think, like, I just wanted to be transported back to Jesus' time. You know, like, I know for, like, Fully. people, I I think it'd be better for other people, I guess, to just, you know, I don't know. I, I understand why it's in there. You know, it has to be some relevance so we could understand it. But I... I just want to take him back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it threw you out of the story a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. a little bit. I was that's like, fair. where are we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good one. Okay. Plus one other. Jake? So my plus one is something that you actually didn't mention in your recap, so I'm going to have to explain it. Oh, boy. Uh, it's not like a super major whole storyline falls apart. Um, <laughs> but do you remember the Roman soldier on the horse? Yeah. Right yeah. after. Uh, and this guy walks over and starts talking to him and he says nothing the entire time. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so we know both of those characters from previous okay. seasons. Um, the guy on the ground is a Roman uh, soldier that answers directly to Caesar. Mm. Um, he's like a pretty high up secret police kind of guy. He's secret service. Um, and then Gaius is just, he knows Matthew pretty well. Um, he used to be Matthew's bodyguard, oh, okay. um, and he got some promotions and stuff. Um, but just their little interaction, mm -hmm. um, when he's just like, so what do you think? <laughs> and the guy <laughs> just sits nothing. there and says nothing. He's like, good talk. <laughs> good talk. Good. Uh, see you for the report in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was okay. That's funnier now. I mean, I knew that it was, um, significant. I, I assumed it was something treacherous obviously because he see i understood some uh up upsetness on the part i think his name was hadad on his part that mm. judas was was going to go follow jesus so yeah, yeah. i thought it was more about that but to find out he's roman in disguise that's again, well that was i think a different person i think you're t oh that was the, the guy, the guy who said. like um the guy who comes up and talks to judas yeah. about like Oh, well, I'll sue him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not the same guy. Well, okay then. Uh, the, uh, it was way off. Uh, it's the guy who was talking to the guy on the horse. I thought, I thought the guy talking yeah. to the guy on the horse was the same as that. Okay, no. well, cool. Nonetheless, that, that, I find that extremely interesting. Both very hilarious encounters. Yeah. I'll sue him. But. 
No, I like um, good talk. I like that. Uh, that's good. I, I enjoy that. Um, right, so my plus one other was uh, I really liked and found interesting the use of color in this. Mm. Right. So obviously the setting, we got a lot of brown, a lot of tan, <laughs> a lot of variations on beige, uh, a little black and, and some, <laughs> some cream here and there. But um, the, the main colors I noticed, Jesus's sash, I, I'm sure there's a more appropriate name for it, but you know, his sash while he's given the sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, Joanna wearing that red mm-hmm. get up. Mm-hmm. And then what was, what I'm most interested to see why and how and what happens next is Judas was very associated with color. He got this vibrant green in this mint plant in his, in his yeah. window. But then when he goes to take that to his sister, who's, I couldn't tell if they were dyeing or washing these clothes. I mean, I mean just super vibrant colors. Um, so, you know, that's not directly him, but it's, you know, his family and it's the scene that he's in. I mean, that was, the, you know, by far the most colorful visual portrayal uh, in the whole episode. So, I really enjoyed that, and I'm really interested to see um, what Judas's association with color, uh, what that comes to, or what I'm, what's being suggested to me by that, or or what. But that was my plus one other. I mm-hmm. thought that was super interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Closing thoughts. Anything you want to add? Anything that you hoped would get said and hasn't been said? Mm. Um. No, but I think I'm just going to binge this show. Yeah. <laughs> the first Do it. That's like a whole thing. <laughs> for this. There's a whole, there was a whole campaign called hashtag binge Jesus. Which is really, it just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. Binge Jesus. Binge Jesus. <laughs> binge Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to do that. You can do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just go but, watch it. It's not that long. You know, yeah, it's just but, like 16 hours. <laughs> but, but I started watching with my husband, so... Gotta now I gotta watch it available. with him, and he his work days are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So on Saturdays, um, he's at work. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I'll feel bad watching it without him. What I heard you say is, I'm going to feel bad when I watch it. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that makes sense. Um, well, all right, good. So we all enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and that's the moral of our story, right? Yeah, it's good. Okay, well, let's end it there for today, and we will follow up with episode two next week. Mm-hmm. Sound good? Sounds good. Um, listeners and YouTube viewers, you can, if you've got topics you would like us to cover, if you've got questions you would like us to do our level best to answer, you can email us at eyesopen at midsouthchristian.edu. We'll have some social media soon, I'm pretty sure, that you can... Uh, follow us and check us out and interact with us there also. But for now, we are looking forward, waiting with bated breath by our inbox that you might pick up the phone and call, by which I mean send an email. Um, I'm Chase. (laughs) This is Jacob. This is Aisha. Thanks so much for tuning in. See y'all next time. See you around. See ya. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. You may have noticed a conversation on adaptation that didn't end up making it into this episode. We had to cut that segment due to time. We're a brand new podcast and we're still figuring things out as we go along. Given that, if you would like to give us any thoughts or feedback, please email us at eyesopen at midsouthchristian.edu. Before we get out of here, I wanted to make sure to give a shout out to some of the people and organizations that helped make this podcast possible. First off, our hosts are 
Chase Harrison, Aisha Gibson, and Jacob Doolin. The intro and outro music you heard is by the band So and Tether. And this entire podcast was produced at the studios of Mid-South Christian College. If you want an innovative Bible education where you get to have conversations just like this one in the classroom every day, check out midsouthchristian.edu.